Welcome, I'm Moshe Ferber. And I am Ariel Munafon. And this is the Silver Lining Podcast, a podcast about security architecture. Good morning, everyone. Another episode of Silver Lining. And uh, with me, as usual, uh, Moshe. How are you, Moshe? Good morning, Ariel. How are you? Very good, very good. Uh, a difficult time uh, those days, but uh, we still uh, managed to, uh, to have a, you know, great uh, guest in our podcast and today with us uh, Oad how are you hi everybody pleasure meeting you good morning Oad from Nv0 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 new startup that is doing infrastructure as code infrastructure as code management we're not a new framework of infrastructure as code you we take your existing infrastructure as code framework and give you value on top of it the same like github versus git okay so before we dive in into this a uh, couple of uh, words about yourself introduce yourself. 38 years old two kids one cat and I love playing chess <laughs> <laughs> your professional background my professional background is technical I started my bachelor degree at university at the age of 14 then I was the youngest developer at Microsoft Israel 21 years ago at the age of 17 and ever since I've been uh, managing R&D teams this is my second startup and all in all third company in between those startups I had a services company for cloud and DevOps and this is My hobby and uh, profession Im- impressive actually uh, tell us a little bit about n0 so m0 was created due to the fact that we feel there is a huge shift towards infrastructure as code we actually uh, call that as the third data center evolution the first being virtualization led by viewmer about two decades ago and obviously the next one is the public cloud that you no longer have your own hardware but instead you're started clicking buttons on some GUI in AWS Azure Google and others but in the last few years nobody is clicking with those buttons anymore and instead people are writing maintaining and executing code that infrastructure is code mainly terraform but there are others and with that shift there is a new demand for management and other capabilities of how the new way to operate cloud mm-hmm. okay so this is n0 this is m0 okay so I know you gave it a little bit about intro about the infrastructure code give us a little bit more details I mean okay so what what's the idea so I code mm-hmm. everything what is it coming from as you probably know in the last few years uh, two main things happened to cloud environments one is the shift to microservices so unlike monolithics and big one service that does it all you now have a lot of small microservices each one with a particular you know reason of uh, what what this is what this service is doing and on the other end there is a lot more options of the types of services what's called uh, cloud native so you have VMs you have containers Kubernetes that run those containers lambda serverless platform as a service external SaaS vendors uh, such as SendGrid for sending emails versus uh, your own SMTP container so environments became much more complicated so it's irrelevant anymore to click buttons in order to repeat what you need and instead this has shifted to code And, you know like everything that developers like in order to manage it in scale and with this new shift to code developers have much more influence over the infrastructure it's in their code and they can read it they can change it and they can make much more infrastructure decisions in their company you, you're talking about developers how will this change the you know the operation guys the you know the the, the sys admins as we used to call them today we call them uh, operations so how would it change or, or, dev, or devops yeah. DevOps, <laughs> yeah you know I think 20 years ago uh, an IT person uh, the, the term devops uh, still didn't exist but 20 years ago it was a big advantage if you knew about electricity and air conditions because 
you used to you know establish a room full of service and air conditions so it was important for you to know about electricity and, and, and voltage but mm-hmm. then it, it shifted let's say uh, mainly towards uh, VMware and instead you needed to be an expert in clicking those buttons in, in vSphere in the in the VMware ecosystem then it changed to cloud but you still you don't need to know about air conditions anymore but instead you need to know which buttons to click but now the demand is for you to know how to develop and a few years ago it started with chef puppet then ansible but then it shifted to more infrastructures con concept with state that understand what's going on now in your cloud account and with the big rise of terraform and also important to mention cloud formation of AWS and ARM of uh, of Azure basically a lot of those devops shifted from knowing about air conditions to actually being developers to write maintain and uh, take care of executing code that mm-hmm. takes care of the provisioning of of uh, cloud resources and uh, if you take a look at uh, the benefits what are the benefits you know between uh, clicking the bots and uh, <laughs> the button sorry and uh, and writing the code uh, so it, it's it's a mega difference basically it's uh, repeatable okay so you can do a lot of things when it's it's repeatable it's documented it's auditable it's much more easy to to, to secure it and basically to To have more services and value value on top of it and it's impossible to continue clicking those buttons i i remember i worked in a crm app that basically was two vms one in java one mysql okay that was 15 years ago but now crms and uh, the basic SaaS crm has like uh, at least 100 microservices so how do you create that it's impossible to click 100 buttons so you need automation And again, it started this automation started with uh, configuration management frameworks that was very they were very powerful in configuring the app layer itself, like the prom XML in Java and INI files in, in Windows, etc. But for cloud provisioning, the, there was a new song. about the 180 something uh, services in, yeah. a, in AWS yeah. mm-hmm. and this song keeps evolving every every week with new new services so when you have so many services and so many microservices running in different in different ways it's just impossible to continue clicking those buttons and you need software that declares your infrastructure mm-hmm. okay from a security point of view I can say that uh, when you're doing manual work when you're clicking buttons there's always room for mistake mm-hmm. when you're operating by card, It's less uh, chances for uh, doing a mistake. This mm-hmm. is why I like all this automation because most of the mistakes we're doing is because people fail to uh, to configure you know the misconfiguration that everybody are talking uh, about it. By the way, I can really relate to uh, I spent most of my, my career in the the early days of my career in the cold uh, data centers. So <laughs> I'm not missing to fixing air conditions. You had your, like your own sweatshirt that uh, <laughs> yeah. you used to wear when you enter those, those rooms. Yeah, in, in Hebrew we call it Dubon. So we <laughs> took it from the army. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, Each room has its own Dubon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so a lot of times I, uh, I needed to fix uh, faulty <laughs> air conditioning and also the drainage. That's always a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I always start leaking to s- on my servers. Uh, but usually when I have this talk with, uh, uh, with young professionals who are trying to now to see where they are going, security, the DevOps, they always ask me if the cloud doesn't take our jobs. So I can re- I'm re- really happy on what you said. This is an opportunity to say that uh, guys, operations, sysadmins, they need to code. Not, I'm not talking about programming I'm talking about scripting uh, some uh, um, uh, YAML files YAML files mm-hmm. scripting Ruby uh, whatever choose your favorite Python but uh, you need to know how to read a script and definitely build at least on the beginning 
some uh, simple script because this is basically your job now. We will not we will not continue to set up servers by doing next, next, next and exactly. stuff like this. Exactly. So everything is going to by, be... In by the way, that's why in Stack Overflow annual report, it seems that uh, now DevOps and SREs have the highest uh, payroll. Really? Because, you know, you need more and more people to be able to do those complicated tasks. Mm -hmm. And they have the biggest, the biggest demand, even the, more than the data, data scientists. So that's, that's the reason. It became a more complicated, this task. And therefore, uh, you know, a lot of people that know what to do, they get the, the best salaries. Mm -hmm. Only the managers get more than the regular DevOps engineers. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you're listening to this, DevOps is definitely uh, mm -hmm. the future. The, the future currently. <laughs> yeah, DevOps is a re and code. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> not like like I said, like what you say, Moshe, about not not really prog programming because people sometimes uh, are scared about programming, but really to know how to uh, for a while uh, some kind of loops. Sometimes is the is the beginning to understand uh, how to code. So uh, I think you know, like in basketball, you have those five people on on the court. But uh, eventually, if you have somebody that can do several things, they are the most important uh, basketball players. I think Magic Johnson was an example of you know a very tall uh, point guard. So I think now when you when you have those uh, you know incredible people that know how to develop good enough, they know operations, they know networking, they know storage, they know security. This uh, great combination uh, deserves the the highest paid uh, salary. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, if you listen to this, if you're new, uh, I think you got your tips. If you're uh, already into uh, sysadmin or DevOps, add a scripting skill to your uh, portfolio. It will really make a, make a difference. It doesn't really matter exactly which language, as long as you're able to uh, read the script or write something on your own. Yeah. Um, so moving on, what companies are doing with infrastructure as code? Give me an example for real case live scenario of infrastructure as code. It's, it's everywhere. I think the, the big companies, they, they changed the way they use the cloud accounts and basically moved everybody to read-only access. So if you open the UI, you just see what's going on, but you're not able, even if you want, to click buttons. So that's mm -hmm. the big companies that cannot allow big mess and they need to you know, uh, comply with compliance. So instead, whatever they just do, they, they, everything has to go through git push of infrastructure as code. So somebody, you need to open you know, uh, some firewall rule or you need to change the machine from medium to large. You don't click those buttons. Uh, you can look at this VM, this EC2 instance, for example, in AWS, but those companies just look at that in AWS console and somebody, the DevOps engineer, needs to change the code write maybe a few more lines in some Terraformiable or, or CloudFormation, and then push it somewhere, and then it's being executed somehow, and only then it's being updated in the cloud. That's, that's the way big companies can manage all those mm -hmm. thousands of uh, microservices. How would this interact with the uh, green-red, uh, sorry, green-blue deployments, stuff like this? I mean, uh, Give us how this all of all of those uh, buzzwords interact into one uh, one solution. It's not one solution. I think there are some great companies to mm. you know, to solve those uh, deployments and deployments verification. I think uh, Armory and Spinnaker are great examples of uh, handling those uh, those situations. Harness is another is another great example of, of a very successful company that that is focusing on on those production uh, environments and va continuous validation. 
Okay, so you're, you're saying that that's a different uh, aspect of uh, of building up uh, topology is uh, making sure that everything is working. You put them on a different uh, scale. Yeah, I, I think what's what's uh, as I mentioned earlier the difference between uh, Git and GitHub. So there are some great technical frameworks out there that are able to provision mm-hmm. and update cloud resources. In a technical kind of way but eventually companies need some business solution okay it's like mm-hmm. uh, it's like the difference between get it get up it's like the difference between ESXi and vSphere or mm-hmm. openstack so ESXi it's the technical layer that basically provisions some uh, compute resources and uh, does consolidation of uh, VMs on over one physical physical server but eventually companies use solution to Like vSphere, that's how you improve your uh, processes, that's how you do collaboration within your organization, that's what you look at, that's what you pay for, that's the pay product, whereas ESXi or Git framework are, are, are freemium. So same goes here, now the world has changed uh, technically to move from clicking buttons to write code, but it's still not the business solution. That's where the opportunity for companies like maybe Harness and, and, and Armory for doing one thing in the continuous validation of the deployments and In the regular management of the high level management of how you just you know create those cloud resources how you provide self-service with governance that's where companies like n0 uh, try to build a solution okay let's try to break uh, everything into details I'm a programmer I'm sitting in my <laughs> office and I need drinking coffee <laughs> hopefully uh, and I need to uh, uh, And I need to set up an environment I don't know some some kind of WordPress server with a database on the background and uh, some kind of a load balancer in front uh, you mm. know the basics yeah some kind of uh, I don't know maybe we've mix it with a container environment so w- what happens what what should the, the the developer first step should be sadly if this organization has more than like 50 employees what this person needs to do nowadays is to open a ticket okay mm-hmm. for somebody else <laughs> that has the permissions mm-hmm. to do so because if you just give regular developers full access to provision cloud resources it's total chaos okay so in small companies five ten employees it's still okay and what can happen the downtime for uh, you know uh, the customers is not is not important enough to limit those developers so you have to choose either self-service productivity or the governance so in small organizations they prefer the productivity but in big organizations they cannot compromise on the governance so that's why in big organizations now you sadly need to open a ticket and wait okay what would happen with infrastructure as a code it's still with infrastructure as code it's it's the technical it's the mm-hmm. technical layer. that's why solutions like Ashikop Terraform cloud like n0 and some other uh, in that domain are Uh, try to solve the you know the combination the rare combination of how to provide both self-service and governance and I'll give you an example as a father I have, I have two kids uh, ideally I would like my kid to be able to walk to school by himself but it's too dangerous okay there are uh, roads there are cars he can accidentally you know uh, get hit by a car if he doesn't know what, what what he's doing and I still I still do not trust him he's too he's too young so imagine if I were able to To create a magical map and block all the roads okay and after I did that I tell my kid okay now you're free <laughs> go to school the worst thing that can happen it might take him five more minutes but I know he's he's safe okay so uh, companies again like like M0 are trying to define this magical map whereas the ad means 
the DevOps block the danger zones. Yeah, okay? we, we call it usually guardrails. So the guardrails, exactly. Mm -hmm. we, they provide the guardrails mm -hmm. and those safe silos. And after those are created, now you can give that freedom to developers. And I think the most, uh, one of the most uh, dangerous things that the developer can do nowadays by you know, clicking a button or run some infrastructure as code script is to create a lot of a lot of cost. Okay, you, mm -hmm. if you don't know what you're running, uh, you know the payment for the cloud vendor is uh, as as you go. And there is a new phrase called cloud bill shock because once a month you get the cloud bill, mm -hmm. and then you get you get a shock that you didn't expect how big it's going it's going to be. So, if you just give that freedom to developers without those guardrails, you should expect uh, on a regular basis to get the cloud bill shock every month. Mm -hmm. So, by your uh, vision, what should the developers do? I mean, how should it work? It goes into some kind of self-service. Okay, what happens? Uh, yeah, they should they should have a self-service mm -hmm. portal, uh, UI, CLI, uh, whatever they need in order to provision what they need. So, usually, they don't need VMs to you know uh, uh, create some bitcoins. They need some uh, you know being able to write and test their code. Okay, so they need their test environments. They need to be able to and do end-to-end -end test on their pull request. That's what they need to do in order to make sure that whatever they push later on to a shared branch, to the main branch, is validated and they do not cause harm to others. So one of the basic things, for example, is that why why uh, DevOps are afraid to just provision cloud resources for others because it's always uh, forgotten. You know, I, I personally remember one time I looked at cloud resources that I asked for from the, the admin to provision and, and I forgot totally about it. And seven months later, I just looked at my cloud account, and then I saw the, that Kubernetes cluster that was running with three nodes for seven months doing nothing. Sure. Okay, And I'm sure it happened to many, yeah. many, many of, of our audience here. So the basic thing that M0 does, for example, is, is once you provision cloud resources as a developer, you have default time to live and maximum time to live. So let's say by default, I give you one day. Okay, because usually you would not need it for more than one day, but maximum one month. If you need up to one month, no problem. You still don't need to open a ticket. You can extend it by yourself. If for some crazy reason you need those resources for more than one month, then please open a ticket, and we'll probably prove it. Okay, and we'll extend it for two more months mm -hmm. or whatever. But you have the you know the the combination of efficiency and guardrails, so. Developers can do whatever they want. They get those cloud resources. They are not dependent and waiting, and they can do it 20 times a day per each branch, per each pull request. And the admins know that those resources are about to be destroyed in a reasonable time and would not create uh, extra cost. That sometimes it's too big of a worry, and organizations are better now that R&D will not be efficient because they're they too afraid. So that's the combination, how you combine self-service and governance, and a lot of that has to do with the new and improved proactive cost management. Okay, so let's talk what happens behind the scenes. So the programmer needs uh, the same dev environment we talked about. It goes into some kind of self-service. Self-service portal, yeah. Yeah, so, so we're choosing, okay, I need uh, this instance, I need this load balancer, I need... Uh, I think even more than that. I, need, mm. I, I just need, let's say your bookings.com, Mm -hmm. So I think in bookings.com, there are probably three types of developers. Those that are related to flights, those that are related to hotels, and those for car rentals. Okay, so okay. if I'm a developer in bookings.com, probably if I work on flights and doing now new integration with the new United Airlines uh, API or something like that, I probably don't need the car rental service. Okay, so I just need my template that will create my flights 
environment. And within OneFlight's environment, I'm able to develop the new feature, which is, in this case, the integration with the new API of, uh, mm-hmm. of United Airlines. So I assume in bookings.com, you probably have like three templates, car rentals, flights, hotels, and maybe another one, which is all booking.com, full booking.com mm-hmm. for, for you know, specific reasons. And the regular developers usually select the same template over and over again in order to develop the new features that, that they need. Okay, so the template is selected. What happens behind the scenes? So the concept here is once you create a, once you select a template, you also need to tell the system which branch. okay Is it the main branch that you need or maybe your own specific branch? like you do git clone. okay mm-hmm. When you do git clone, you get code for a specific version. But what about the matching cloud resources? So that's the, that's what's going on here. When you click run in M0, you'll get the matching cloud resources for your needed code. And now you're able to run it on the cloud. You know the the same way it runs on 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 production. Maybe you need some tweaks because you maybe don't want it exactly as production. It's too expensive. It's too big. It takes too much time to orchestrate that. So maybe you have some several configurations for the same template that you need in order to develop. So basically, you click a template like flights or hotels. You then select a branch. It's like git repo. You select the git repo. I need a git repo for mm-hmm. flights, and then I need to tell you which branch, which revision I need. But for cloud resources, the matching uh, operation for getting the, the matching cloud, cloud resources. And once I get those cloud resources, I can develop on my own isolated cloud environment without interfering the work of others. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, behind the scenes, you have some kind of engine. He has a, a, an IAM role and probably an AWS and all the clouds. Mm-hmm. And it will, set up the, uh, it will set up the infrastructure. That's, yeah, that's the beauty here. Mm-hmm. Because the world has shifted to infrastructure as code, in your company, there is already existing infrastructure as code. You probably have that Terraform code, that CloudFormation code, maybe some other Glue, Python, Bot, or whatever, that eventually mm-hmm. provisions cloud resources. So let's just, you know, empower developers with the relevant access to that code in a secure and you know with the with the relevant guardrail so once the developer tries to create those cloud resources basically it executes that code and okay. within a couple of minutes this code is ex- executed with the matching code code version and you have your 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 uh, cloud resources that you're able to test so you're still using the same cloud formation exactly uh, the same your layer above the The yeah, like the GitHub, GitHub okay. eventually execute mm-hmm. Git commands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so N0 is uh, eventually executing Terraform and CloudFormation and Ansible commands. Okay, so, uh, I see. So your, uh, I think your, uh, your killer feature is basically the self-service and the way that you manage everything. Govern, uh, govern uh, self-service, yeah. Okay, perfect, interesting. And I guess there's a lot of tacking behind this. I mean, if you, if you said your, the environment needs to be dead in one month. <laughs> Probably uh, uh, you tag everything. Yeah, because what, what the admin eventually needs to understand what's going on. And mm-hmm. uh, let's go back to the bookings.com example. How much do I pay for flights versus hotel versus car rentals? Or maybe now I integrated a new feature with a uh, new Hertz or Avis integration, and maybe now the cost increased. Let's think about APM and, and New Relic and Datadog, for example. Developers have a TV in the rooms with performance over time correlated to deployments, and developers now care about performance they will not release code that has bad performance for the customers but what about cost it's still not there so thanks to our capabilities and thanks to infrastructures code we've introduced a new way to do proactive cost management by automatically and recursively tagging your resources so without any 
extra work from the user, you're able to understand how much you pay for flights versus hotels versus car rentals and how much your deployment increased that cost. And we can do even more advanced things. Let's say we can know now how much Moshe and Ariel uh, you know, consume cloud resources per mm-hmm. month for which the, uh, environments, uh, what was their most uh, expensive operation, and maybe even limit them. Okay, if they're doing two crazy things, maybe they don't need more than $200 a month or $500 per month. So maybe their team as a team doesn't need more than $1,000 a month per, uh, per cloud resources. So we developed unique, uh, unique uh, patent pending technology that basically automatically, uh, you know, uh, calls on your code, looks for taggable resources. We support AWS, Google, and Azure Terraform providers. So we identify which resources are taggable, automatically add a few tags, and then automatically in the deployment, we create those tags and they now sit in your cloud account. And then we get read access to your billing API. So we are able to tell you how much you're going to pay correlated to the problematic deployments and enforce mm-hmm. some li- budget limits if, if you want. So all of that, uh, you know, more advanced cost management because we get read access to your code. We understand the deployments. We see the cloud resources and we see their cost. Thanks to this combined visibility of all this data, we can provide much more business value for you to better understand what you're paying for and prevent problematic deployments from even happening in the first place. And I want to say that specifically the tagging of resources we've just launched as a separate tool, open source tool called TerraTag. So you can use it even if you're not an M0 customer. If you're using Terraform and you care about cloud tagging, in AWS, Google, mm-hmm. or Azure. And you, you should care. <laughs> you, sh- you, sh- you should care, exactly. Because yeah. uh, that's why uh, the others get the cloud bill shock once a month. Yeah, we, we have a FinOps group, and uh, you know the first thing that uh, they talk about is tagging, tagging, and tagging. Moshe, uh, uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, multi-cloud, so I don't know if you finished the... No. <laughs> so so l- let's talk about uh, you know uh, all the infrastructure as a code in the multi-cloud uh, environment. Great. So basically, there are two types of infrastructure as code framework. Uh, cloud formation and ARM are uh, associated to a certain vendor, but there are those like uh, Terraform and maybe important to mention Pulumi. Those are multi-cloud. Okay? It doesn't mean they're cloud agnostic. It doesn't mean that if you write some code, it will uh, do exactly the same or able to run on two different vendors. You need to write different code for that, but all in all, it's in the same schema, it's in the same, it's the same language, okay? Mm-hmm. So if you're a Terraform developer, it's closer, uh, it's less, you know, challenge for you to learn another provider. It's not a totally different thing, it's somewhere similar, but somewhere different. So all in all, thanks to frameworks that are multi-cloud, like, again, important to mention Terraform, companies now manage their multi-cloud in the same framework, in sometime multi-cloud in the public cloud, and sometimes it's hybrid of uh, on-prem private cloud like VMware or Nutanix and uh, the public cloud, as I mentioned earlier. Okay. You, you took my question about uh, <laughs> private cloud environments and <laughs> sure. infrastructure of the code, so I think, uh, give us a, mi- a moment, VMware, OpenStack, uh, Nutanix, all of those. Yeah, so... Would, would they support infrastructure code they the already same do. way? Yeah, yeah. They, they already do. There are some other things going on there, for example, how much you pay. So those are what we call CapEx Cloud, okay? Because you pay one time a lot of money mm-hmm. for hardware and licenses. 
and then you don't need to pay that much as you go. And in the public cloud, it's more uh, OPEX-oriented. You pay as mm-hmm. you go, and also you don't know how much you're going to pay. For EC2 instance, you pretty much know how much you're going to pay each, uh, each month, but how much you're going to pay for Lambda, for serverless? How much uh, you're going to pay for BigQuery? How much you're going to mm-hmm. pay even for auto-scaling group Kubernetes cluster? You have no idea. It's upon usage. So the private cloud behaves technically the same way as it goes for provisioning using infrastructure as code. But the basic uh, concept of operating and those guardrails and those processes within organization are very different when you talk about private cloud versus uh, public cloud. Okay, interesting. Uh, moving on, summarizing. Yep. So uh, we have infrastructure as a code, mm-hmm. which is basically uh, scripting your environment. We used to connect cables. We used to uh, doing next, next, yep. next. We used to uh, launch installers. Yep. We stopped doing that, and we start uh, doing everything by code. Even if you need the smallest change, the idea is that you don't manually do it. You do it automated. It's un- unscalable. Yeah, because it's unscalable, because it's room for mistakes, mm-hmm. all this manual work, because at, at a certain point, you cannot simply continue to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the way to do this, the developer has some kind of a self-service, which uh, is driving everything, and this gives us a, a guarding rails. I mean, uh, give us the idea that developers can do anything we say in the trusted zone. It provides you some guardrails. Mm-hmm. I think we still didn't talk about the new concept of policy as code. And mm-hmm. I think it's very important for us to mention for our audience the new concept of policy as code that you have in addition to your infrastructure as code that provisions cloud resources, you also have another newer concept which is policy as code. I think the main example that is relevant here is the new OPA, Open Policy Agent, that you write additional code mm-hmm. that validates and ensures that your future provisioning will not, you know, uh, be, will always be aligned with your policies. For example, you want to validate that you do not create some resources outside of your VPC. Or you have to create those resources only for uh, medium and small VM instances and not huge, or Mm -hmm. not more than three VMs. Uh, You don't want people to execute now 500 VMs. So all of those great things you can do in another framework of code, which is policies code, and I think the main winner today is OPA, or Open Policy Agent, and the combination of Terraform with OPA to enforce OPA on your Terraform is super powerful to provide both self-service productivity and uh, and governance. And that's one of the things M0 does. You 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 can enforce policy uh, OPA, Open Policy Agent, together with your executions. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anything else you want to add, add before we close in? Uh, no, just, you know, I think uh, look at our uh, new open source TerraTag for if you're uh, into cloud cloud cost and uh, recursive tagging for your uh, resources doing automatically and not manually as you probably do today. So use our open source and any feedback for our product M0 uh, will be great. How people can reach you at the personally also? So my Twitter handle is omaislish, and you can uh, look at our website, on our blog, on our Medium. My name is Ohad Maislish, M-A-I-S-L-I-S-H. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. And to all our listeners, goodbye.